Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, UFOs over Malmstrom Air Force Base. That's correct, UFOs over Malmstrom Air Force Base. Now we have examples from three different years, um, 1967, 1995, and then in 2018. Now I have uh, articles posted there at the Twitter account, UFO Warning. Uh, of course you can go there and um, do a follow. And I also have um, all the articles and the videos embedded at the ufowarning.com website. That's ufowarning.com. And you can go right there and you can actually watch some of the videos that we're talking about. Now, to begin with, I found what I thought to be a really well done, oh, maybe what, about a seven, eight minute trailer from the History Channel they posted on YouTube. Uh, I believe the program is called Unidentified. It's the Louis Elizondo uh, program. And I have to say, for all the, the grief that, that I've given uh, Louis and Tom over the years as far as how they got a hold of those three cockpit videos. Uh, I find this program to be fascinating, and I think they're doing some really good work. They're bringing out uh, eyewitnesses from 10, 20, 30 years ago, sitting down and getting these people on record, and they're really approaching this stuff uh, in an open-minded scientific way, and uh, kudos to Elizondo for the work he's doing. Now, I watched this video. I thought it was, like I said, I thought it was great. And you can go to the to the website if you just want to watch it quickly, uh, ufowarning.com. So he interviews this fellow, a major, a retired Air Force major, Daniel Gibson. And the sighting happened back in the fall of 1995 uh, near their Malmstrom Air Force Base where this fellow was stationed at. He says that... Uh, of course, if you look on the map, you'll find that Malmstrom Air Force Base, that's you know one of the old-school ICBM, intercontinental and ballistic missiles uh, with the nuclear war tips, a whole bit. And I believe they said that they actually had hundreds of those things stationed at, at Malmstrom. I don't know if they still do or not, but that's where they were stationed at. And it's part of that, uh, it's almost like a northern ring or a northern fence of UF, uh, excuse me, of... Uh, Air Force bases with the ICBMs. Uh, I think there's about six of them, and they're spaced out from from out there uh, in Montana, clear up over to Maine. And all of these have had uh, UFO um, activity correlated with them, but especially Malmstrom, and that's the one that we're looking at today. Now, he says that he was on board this. Um, Retired Major Daniel Gibson back in the fall of 1995. He was on board a KC-135 uh, Air Force plane. This is a big uh, refueling plane. It has all the fuel on it, and they go up and they do these mid-air flight refuelers. And they were on a training mission or whatever, and they were refueling the bombers uh, that were actually capable of carrying uh, nuclear weapons. So they're up, they're 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 flying over uh, the base. They're heading back home, and he said he finishes finishes his task, and he goes up to the flight deck uh, with the pilots, and uh, he, his intent is to observe the Aurora, Aurora Borealis, of course what we call the Northern Lights, which uh, is, happens to be happening right then, and of course he wanted to see this spectacular, you know, light show that the, uh, that the uh, sun puts on every year in the fall and winter months in the in the far northern areas of the U.S. and pretty much, you know, all, all the Arctic area. So he's up there. 
he's looking out the uh, window of the of the airplane, uh, enjoying these these beautiful lights, his aurora borealis, uh, just you know streaming down. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's really cool. It's almost like a it's 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 a spectacular light sh light show. I mean, you see these different colored lights just waving up through the sky. Um, really a neat thing to see, and I can only imagine being able to view this out the window of a C-135, and, and from you know 30, 40, 50,000 feet up in the air. Well, he says that while he's looking out the window, he sees this bright light. It's almost like an orb light descend from uh, space. So it's coming from space into the Earth's atmosphere, and he says he, they know it wasn't. They knew it wasn't a, a, a shooting star. Because the pilot and co-pilot also both saw it. They knew it wasn't a shooting star because it was coming down too slow. So they watched this glowing orb descend from space right into um, the 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 lights, the aurora borealis. Now this is the electromagnetic waves that you know that are that are. Uh, going up from the Earth's uh, poles. So they're coming from, basically, from the Earth's atmosphere, you know, lashing out into uh, outer space. They almost look like tongues of fire, but they're light. He sees this orb descend down into these waves of light, and he said that he described it as, um, as a boat moving through water, and this thing just splitting the lights, the waves of light, and you could just see the ripple around it. I thought that was really interesting. So this thing, it's like it has some sort of mass to it, whether it's electromagnetic or whatever, but it's definitely affecting and overcoming the very lights he's looking at, the Aurora Borealis. And he says it's it, it drops down toward Earth. It's in these it's in this mass of waving lights, you know, the Aurora Borealis. And he said the longer that it stayed there the brighter that the light seemed to get. Now, it sounds like it must have been there for about a minute or so. And then he says it shot straight up at an incredibly high speed. It's almost like this thing has just descended from space down into these into this bank of waving light, the Aurora Borealis, where it's absorbing this magnetic, uh, electromagnetic energy given off by this phenomena. Because he describes how the light settles into how this orb settles into this you know and into the light show in effect and how it begins to become brighter the longer it's there and then it shoots up now somebody said well you know could that have been this or that he said listen it's not a man-made object he said he said i've seen the international space station and he said this thing was 10 times as fast as that 10 times that's like What's the, what's the International Space Station traveling on, about 18,500 mile an hour? So they went through and they tried to apply a little bit of the scientific method to this sighting. You know, after they listened, uh, they, get, they get the what, when, where. And um, Elizondo's group comes up, they, you know, they, they have the... They had the five observable effects that we talked about. The five observable effects, and then, of course, we spoke about the sixth observable effect being the paranormal. But they say that they've got three of the five covered here. Number one, this thing has instantaneous acceleration. And we see that with a lot of these UFOs. I mean, they can be hovering one second and just blast it off into space the, the next. Second, it has hypersonic velocity, and that means it's over 3,700 miles per hour. Well, we know this thing was probably going way faster than that. He describes it as going 10 times 
as fast as the International Space Station, but it doesn't make a sonic boom. Thirdly, it has transmedium travel. Transmedium travel. Now, they're talking about objects that can travel between space, Earth, and water. Now, this one here traveled between space and Earth, and I guess I really had kind of failed to think about that very much because, you know, they said you have to consider this thing's traveling in the vacuum of space when he first sees it. It comes down into the Earth's atmosphere where it just hovers among the lights of the, of the, aurora, of the aurora borealis. It seems to take on a charge from these lights and then it blasts back into space, back into a vacuum again. And as they pointed out, there's no man-made object that can do that. We don't have a spacecraft that can travel from space to Earth and then blast back again. And if we did, it couldn't be manned because the human body cannot take those kind of G-forces. Those G-forces would be deadly. Now, they went on to speak about uh, and mention uh, back in 1967 at Maelstrom Air Force Base, uh, they had there were approximately were 10 warheads that were turned off immediately after a UFO sighting. And there was a sighting back here in 1967. And um, as we said, of course, apparently they had hundreds of warheads. So it doesn't sound like it was a complete shutdown to me. But it seems almost like this UFO showed back up in 1967 at Maelstrom and just kind of wanted to let them know that it was there. Or perhaps it was drawing some kind of energy out of the nuclear warheads that are on those things. You have to wonder. It almost seems as if you know, it's pretty clear that this UFO was viewing the Aurora Borealis and whatever's going on there as a fueling station. And it almost makes a person wonder if maybe they aren't viewing our uh, our nuclear uh, weapons facilities as the same way. Maybe somehow they've figured out how to, to drive energy from those uh, nuclear warheads that are just sitting around there. And for uh, safety's sake, they turned them off while they did that, or maybe they need to turn them off. I don't know, but I thought that was a good uh, part that was brought out in this little header. Now, I haven't watched the whole episode yet, but I just think it was... I I, uh, I like the way they tied in the 1995 uh, sighting with the 1967. Now, I do have another uh, report here about the 1967 sighting. Now, this comes from uh, cbsnews.com. September 22nd, 2010, so almost 10 years ago. And like I said, you can find uh, these on ufowarning.com. I have the links there, and I got some of the links at the Twitter account as well. It says, uh, ex-Air Force personnel, UFOs deactivated nukes. It goes on, it says, whatever the mysterious lights in the sky were, they seem to have an interest in our nukes. One of the more out-of-the-ordinary press conferences held in Washington this week course, this is 2010, consisted of former Air Force personnel testifying to the existence of UFOs and their ability to neutralize American-Russian nuclear missiles. UFO researcher Robert Hastings of Albuquerque, New Mexico, who organized the National Press Club briefing, said more than 120 former service members had told him they'd seen unidentified flying objects near nuclear weapon storage and testing grounds. Stars and Stripes quoted former Air Force Captain Robert Silas, who was at Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana in 1967, when 10 ICMs he was overseeing suddenly became an operative. 
Now, that's the incident that Elizondo is talking about in the video clip that I have posted there at ufowarning.com. It says, he was overseeing, suddenly became inoperative. At the same time, base security informed him of a mysterious red glowing object in the sky. Robert Jameson, a retired U.S. Air Force nuclear missiles targeting officer, told of several occasions having to go, told of several occasions having to go out and restart missiles that had been deactivated after UFOs were sighted nearby. Similar sightings at nuclear sites in the former Soviet Union and in Britain were related. Now, see, it's obvious this is not a, an opposing force from some other country. There's no way in the world that Russia, and of course China was just not even on, on the radar at that point as far as being able to penetrate U.S. airspace. There's no way this, this was some sort of Russian drone. Okay, They aren't capable of that, and neither are we. You have to think about it. If they had that kind of capability, wouldn't they have already taken over? It says CBS affiliate KSWT describes Britain's Roswell, a case of unidentified phenomena in December 1980 incident near two Royal Air Force bases in Suffolk, England. Several U.S. Air Force personnel reported seeing a strange metallic object hovering in Rendlesham Forest near RAF Woodbridge and found three depressions in the ground. Now, we've covered that and we'll cover it again sometime, but what you're seeing here is just a pattern, okay? Clearly a pattern of where these um, UFOs, whatever, whatever they are, are... Um, showing up at these nuclear bases and just having a good look around in some places, even uh, shutting down, uh, shutting down the operation of these nuclear weapons. Now, I found another article just for a little bit of a backstory on this, so kind of know where we're coming from. Okay, this is from military from uh, Malmstrom. .af.military. That's kind of the official site for the Maelstrom Air Force Base. If you want to get some more uh, information on the history of this thing, it says Maelstrom Air Force Base traces its beginnings back to 1939 when World War II broke out in Europe. Concern about the war caused the local Chamber of Commerce to contact two Montana senators, Burton K. Wheeler and James E. Murray, and request they consider development of a military installation in Great Falls in 1942. Great Falls, in 1942, a survey team evaluated an area near the Green Mill Dance Club in Rainbow Dam Road, approximately six miles east of Grand Falls of Great Falls. Great Falls, along with ten other northern tier sparsely populated sites, was considered for a heavy bomber training base. Construction began on Great Falls Army Base in May of 2000, 1942. The base was informally known as East Base since the 7th Ferrying Group was stationed at the Municipal Airport on Gore Hill. Its mission was to establish an air route between Great Falls and Ladfield and Fairbanks, Alaska, as part of the United States Lend-Lease Program that supplied the Soviet Union with aircraft supplies needed to fight the German Army. So here you go. This base was started before the U.S and uh, Russia fell into conflict even. It says the Great Ar Falls Army Base was assigned to 2nd Air Force and the first B-17 Flying Fortress landed on November 30th, 1942. Four bombardment groups, the 2nd, 385th, 394th, and 1st trained at Great Falls from November 1942 to October 1943. 
And then it, it's quite a long article, actually, but uh, if you're interested in this stuff, you can kind of go through here and read it a little bit. It says, 1954, the base was aligned under Strategic Air Command, SAC, and the 470th Strategic Fighter Wing was assigned to Great Falls Air Force Base. The wing's F-84 fighters and KB-29 air refuelers provided fighter escort for SAC's long-range B-36 bombers. So you see this thing started out as a base where uh, the United States could base uh, airplanes big enough to carry atomic bombs anywhere they needed to in the world. That was the whole thing. And then from that developed uh, the technology uh, with the long-range nuclear weapon, uh, nuclear missiles, where it not only became an Air Force base, but also became a nuclear weapons base. And that seems to be where the real interest of these UFOs falls in at. Now, we have uh, another art, another sighting here that I want that I would like to take a look at if we can find one second. This one happened in um, 2018 and it seems like um, one second they had a report okay and you can go to the site and check this out but it came off a new off a move on my my uh, sites just give me fits right now but what happened was an individual reported a large uh, black um, UFO like the size of a football field hovering over um, Great Falls, Montana near the Malmstrom Air Force Base and at the same time um, they said that the base had a uh, temporary power outage. Now MUFON did some checking around on this but it seems like it seems like they weren't getting any kind of uh, cooperation uh, with with Malmstrom on this. It's as if it's as if uh, Malmstrom didn't really want to talk about it too much. And here again we have a situation where we have what's clearly a UFO um, a UFO showing up at this Air Force Base again and you have to wonder, it's almost, it's, it's pretty clear at this point that this thing has got, has got some kind of a uh, connection or a, or a need to be uh, near or around nuclear power. There's no other way to look at it. That's three, three different, three, three, three different uh, sightings that we've had with uh, UFOs two of the more of the orb type and this one kind of a large I think he said it was more of a triangular shaped UFO all over the Malmstrom Air Force Base in a period going clear back from 1967 to 1995 up until 2018 all three appearing at this at this nuclear ICM, ICBM site now you would think this would be considered a little bit more of a threat something that Congress would be interested in but it's almost as if they're really they're almost afraid to ask about what's going on. That's why I think it's I think it's a good thing that when we have these stories come out and then when we're able to see documentaries about this stuff, and that's one thing I'm happy to see Elizondo doing is going back and talking to these eyewitness accounts, like I said, from an account that happened twenty five years ago, and getting this guy in video 
and at least getting it on the record what's happening. So once we have these sightings on the record, that's evidence that we'll have to go back and look at for, and look at for years to come. All of it very fascinating stuff. Like I said, you can go to the Twitter account, UFO Warning. Get there by going to at Warning Sub UFO. Do a follow. Or you can go to the website, ufowarning.com, and we've got links to everything right there. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.